and we realized that we had a B2B component to the business. So we started selling to businesses and to industrial applications and stuff like that, wholesale applications. And then eventually, eight months down the line, my manufacturer at the time went out of business and they held up a pro- they had a 2% proprietary part of the formulation um, and they refused to disclose it. So for us, we pretty much lost our formula. Welcome to Babson Built, where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs, people who have tried, failed, and tried again. They're the change makers, the disruptors, the hustlers, and the builders. These are their stories. This week on Babson Built, we're talking with Detrapel founder David Zamorin about how he grew his high school business into a multi-million dollar nanotechnology. You founded Detrapel in 2013. You were 16 years old-ish, I 15, guess, yeah, 15, 15. Yeah. and you'd already sold a successful company, Lick Your Soul. Was that your first time when you felt like an entrepreneur? I think that's the first time that I realized what the word was uh, because I learned about it at that point when I was a freshman in high school during, you know, the first time that I got an opportunity to run a business, like a real business, and actually know all of the caveats to it. Because before then I was just doing like small stuff like every other kid, you know, selling stuff, buying and selling at a higher price, going to flea markets or whatever it was. Um, I was always in love with selling from an early age, but like your soul was my first real business. With that business, how did that come about? I was in a school uh, that's very competitive, very good school called Masterman in Philadelphia for high school. And I wanted to go Ivy my whole life. So I wanted to be different than most of the other kids that I saw that, you know, would apply to these Ivy League schools. And I was doing a ton of different clubs. I was trying literally anything and everything out. I did robotics. I did you name it. I did it. But I finally got the opportunity to join a youth entrepreneurship program that was housed at a first round capital, which is one of the largest VC firms in the U.S. And I jumped on the opportunity. I was the only non-senior in the cohort that I got into. So I was the youngest. And I you know, I had this interesting idea that I was a sneaker at the time and I hated getting my shoes dirty. So I really just wanted to keep them clean, and I had this idea that I could come up with a film that I could peel off whenever it got dirty. But the issue is, like, I, I wasn't a chemist, right? So I, I didn't know how to come up with that film. So some of my mentors advised me to pivot the company or pivot the idea to clean shoes for local university sports teams. And at first I was just like, come on, like, I don't want to be cleaning shoes. It's you know, not something I want to do. But I kind of swallowed that down, and I did it. And it turned out to be a pretty successful business. At the peak, we were making 25000 a month just cleaning local university sports team shoes and some other, like we would do private repairs and conditionings for individual people. And we had other products that we were trying to incorporate, uh, such as one of Detrapel's competitors products, which I can get into later on. Do you think that like with entrepreneurship, sometimes, you know, you have to like get your hands dirty, you know, like, and, and like, what's your experience? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, even today, like still to this day, you know, I have to get dirty on a daily basis. I mean, you, you have, if you really want to be successful, right? Like an, an entrepreneur is willing to go beyond the status quo and do literally anything to see their business succeed. And so I think at that point, or even at any point that I'm currently in, um, I'm still on the ground floor. I'm still, you know, like people ask me today, you know, I'm like the founder of, of Detropel and I'm running a business that just came off Shark Tank. We're, we're experiencing crazy amount of growth. And here I am, like I'm, I'm, 
driving a U-Haul truck and transporting bottles from one warehouse to the other. I'm filling bottles. You know, right after this interview, I have to go to our fulfillment center and go tighten bottles because they were loosely capped. You know, like, I mean, this, these are things that you have to do if you want your business to succeed. But it's just the name of the game. When did you decide this is going to be what I focus I mean, I come, I come from a low-income background. So for me, like, even $1,000 is a lot of money. and still is. And at that point in time, you know, I sold the business for overall in the last four or five years since I sold it, I, I made six figures off of it. It was, it was a certain amount of dollar sale up front, and then I got uh, royalties for the next five years after that. So my royalties will end this year. But, you know, it amounted to a pretty good in total. But I took all the money. I mean, I was a kid, like I said. And I took all the money and I invested everything I could in Detropel. And I guess the beginning stages were was me like, you know, figuring out that my competitor's product sucked. It was really expensive. It was extremely harmful. If you applied it, you had to wear a full body suit and a respirator mask. And the reason for that was because you need to be protected against its causes like cancer and birth defects. So I mean it was a very harmful product. And I waited four months for a little court that cost fifteen hundred dollars and it never came. So, I mean, these guys just like blatantly didn't care about their small time customers. They had, you know, back orders up the wazoo like us now. But, you know, for a while, once I sold the business, I was thinking, okay, well, let me just research nanotechnology. Let me research their uh, formula and their chemistry and figure out what is so different about them versus what's on the market already. And so that's when I came across nanotech and I started researching. And that summer, going into my sophomore year of high school, actually, I had reinvented a new formulation. And we incorporated in August 2013. For those of those listeners who don't know, what exactly does your product do and why is it better than other sure. products? Sure. So Detropel is not just a product anymore. We're, we're a full-blown nanotechnology protective coatings company. We offer nine different products, including our flagship product, which is a fabric and leather protector. It's essentially a spray that you can put on anything, whether it's your clothes, your car, you name it. We have multiple different products for all types of materials. And once you apply it, it'll become super hydrophobic, which just means that it's extremely scared of water. So any type of liquid-based substance that will come with the surface, it'll just roll right off. And the difference between us and most other competitors is that there's two types of competitors. It's the ones that use nanotechnology and then the ones that do not. And the ones that do have been under a lot of scrutiny for their relations to health issues like the cancer and birth defects. Um, they have carcinogenic properties. And some of them don't even really last that well or last that long or work that well. And then the other set of competitors are just like water resistance, the everyday type of stuff that you can get in like your regular store. And those products are just not good at all. They don't work or they work maybe like a maximum of a week or so. And they're all like, you know, they're just all bad products at the end of the day. They're all aerosol based and therefore flammable. And so we decided to come up with a product that was not only non-toxic and eco-friendly and biodegradable, but that actually worked. So one application of our product will last a full year guaranteed, whereas the next leading competitor will last a maximum of a month. So that's kind of the core differentiator between us. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds fantastic. Now, looking back, you know, it's very evident that you've, you've done well with it. But like, what were your first steps into getting it on into people's hands, getting, you know, getting people to, to buy your product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I incorporated in 2013 in August, but we launched the market on February 1st of 2014. So it took us a few months to actually get everything together. And that included packaging, uh, you know, labeling, you name it, we had to go through all of it. And 
it all started with us having these small two ounce bottles that were like short and fat. Um, and so they were just disgusting. I mean, like we were selling them without even labels in the fall uh, before the 2014, like February mark. And we were just kind of doing like test runs and we were checking out different price points. At one point we were selling that little bottle for $25. And I mean, we were selling it, but you know, we, we, did, we tested so many different things and um, we went through stores in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. Uh, we got a couple stores that signed with us. The first store was like my first mentor. Um, he helped me kind of progress with the business and then eventually we changed packaging and we started marketing better and we realized that we had a B2B component to the business. So we started selling to businesses and to industrial applications and stuff like that, wholesale applications. And then eventually eight months down the line, my manufacturer at the time went out of business and they held a, oh, no. they had a 2% proprietary part of the formulation um, and they refused to disclose it. So for us, we pretty much lost our formula, um, and therefore we had to shut down our B2C operation because we didn't want to lose the brand value. And so in the meantime, what we did, I went on a, like a three-year kind of hiatus trying to re-engineer a new formula, and what we did in the meantime was we, we had other formulations that we were using that we were just buying at a wholesale price and reselling uh, from overseas, and the products weren't that great at all, but we had two or three, four customers that were interested in it anyway on a wholesale level, on an industrial application level. And so that drove a lot of the sales. I mean, in, you know, we even at one point made six figures just alone on B2B on a product that wasn't even ours. So we were still doing well, but, you know, I wasn't passionate about the business to the point where my first semester here at Babson, I actually almost dropped the business. I almost left. Like, I, I didn't even want to do it anymore. So we've always struggled with manufacturing issues in the past. And finally, we re-engineered a new formula a little over a year ago. So it's been going well since then. But it, I mean, it's always been a process, right? And we've had to reinvent the wheel and we've had to kind of restart our processes with getting to customers. And now it's just like a mixture of both the B2C, the B2B, and maybe even like, you know, direct to consumer. Now we're, we're really pushing that on our website and, and other channels. What did those three years look like? Were you like flying around the world trying to meet manufacturers? How did you end up getting this product finally yeah. to where it is today? Yeah, so I mean, it took 12 different manufacturers in the nanotech space that all said that they weren't able to create this formula for me to realize that something was proprietary, right? Something was different about our formulation versus everything else on the market. Obviously, I took all their notes. I realized all the research that was being conducted over the last four years, including from when I started the company, that you know there was something different. And only, like I guess, by me combining all the notes and figuring out myself, was I able to redo that a little over a year ago. But uh, for a while, we were in a position where, like you know, for three years, we were just out in limbo selling other products that weren't even ours, and there was no passion anymore to it. So that's why the business stagnated. We didn't grow. Nothing was new about it. And I was just alone in the company, just running by myself, not not knowing what direction it was going to take because, you know, every manufacturer I went to was telling me that they couldn't do it. And we put a lot of money into the R&D and it still didn't work out, you know. So, I mean, mm -hmm. regardless, I think uh, those three years, what I ended up doing was, you know, I had another business on the side I started that was a cash flow business. So that kept me kind of OK. And I didn't I didn't want to. Yeah, you're looking at what me. was that? Business? Yeah, I ran a valet company. Um, really? Yeah. So we were doing parking for several different, like, I guess, venues, like restaurants, hotels, hospitals, private events in the Philadelphia, New York, and New Jersey region. And uh, I ended up selling off that business when I was, that came off, uh, came to Babson my second semester. 
luckily, because that, that was a nightmare of a business. But Why was it a nightmare? I mean, it's just a service industry. It's, like, very outdated, very old. I mean, there's tons of competitors. VPNE is, like, the biggest competitor. They own a huge monopoly. I mean, like, now, it, you know, the real money in that business is owning the real estate of a garage or something. And, you know, we didn't have that kind of capital ever. And so, and I was alone and, you know, finding other people that could, you know, that were licensed drivers and willing to work the hours that we needed them to work for the pay that we could pay. It was just always tough. So, you know, I ended up selling that business and that was the business I ran for the first three years when, when we didn't have a product. And at the same time, I was just dealing with the, the clients that we had for Detrapel. And so, you know, we were kind of just doing, I was doing a couple of different things. I had a couple of different ideas floating around, but I never really gave up. I, I wanted to really bad, but I never, I never gave up on Detrapel. And so finally, like I kind of got sick of it after my first semester at Baths and, and during that winter break, I was just like, all right, look, I got to go home and, and take care of the formulation. And so I stepped back into, I got my hands dirty and, you know, now we're, we're where we are, where we are now, but, um, it's been a long time coming for sure. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This spring, the Blank Center will present its new venture competition, the Beta Challenge, which recognizes Babson businesses for taking action. Join the Babson community on Thursday, April 11th at the Beta Challenge finale and watch the top alumni and student teams compete for more than $200,000 in cash and prizes. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash beta challenge. In that process um, of building your business, have you ever had any big failures that you've had to overcome? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I have a failure every day almost, <laughs> one way or another, right? You just, I, I don't think of them that way. I, I think of it as a, as a learning opportunity or, you know, something, a mistake maybe that, you know, I learned from or something like that. I'll never look as a failure, as a true failure, because at least I got something out of it. And that is, you know, either wisdom or knowledge or whatever. And I think there have been a few times where we've done some really stupid things or I've done some really stupid things uh, that I look back at. And I'm just like, come on, like, you know, like <laughs> entrepreneurship 101 or something, like, you know work that out better or something. Um, but it really depends. Like we, I don't know, we, we lost customers. We overpromised, underdelivered, underpromised, and still didn't deliver. I mean, there's, there's been like, you name it. We've, we've had almost every single thing in the book. I mean, we've had hiring issues. I've had high executive turnover. I mean, you name it, we've had it. Right. So it really depends on like, on what you, what you're trying to get out of the business. And for us, like it was tough to maintain a team while having manufacturing issues trying to convince people on the value that your company will one day bring when you didn't even have a product. So there's been tons of things. I mean, the biggest mistake probably to date still is is the fact that we gave up a formulation or like ownership, 2% of the formulation that we thought, oh, it's not, nothing's going to happen. And long and behold, you know, a manufacturer went out of business and pretty much held us hostage. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And so, you know, you, you'd had this business running though, and uh, it was, seems like you were doing quite well. What made you decide to attend college, you know, finish, finish a degree? Why not? Just- yeah, definitely my parents. <laughs> my, my parents were the biggest influences for me. I always wanted to go to school. I, I love education. I believe in education. You can't be taught entrepreneurship, but you can, you can develop skills for it. You can develop business skills. And so 
when I was looking at schools and, and Babson was kind of like, you know, between the last couple of choices that I had, it really came down to, you know, what am I going to get out of the network? Am I going to school for debt? I ended up getting, you know, a scholarship here. So for me, you know, I wasn't going to be graduating with debt and that's what I cared about. And more importantly, like, what was I going to get out of the school? And I realized that this place was the epitome of everything that I wanted. You know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and, and, and still to this day, I, I believe firmly that Babson's the best place for that. If, if you do, if you go here looking to do anything else, then that's a shame. And if you go anywhere else looking to do entrepreneurship, then you're also doing yourself a disservice because this place has the resources to really help you. What does um, a successful outcome look like for you, for Detropel? We're trying to grow. We want to be the industry leader in the protective coatings uh, industry. I think we'll likely be one of the only ones that are nano-based and hopefully be as big as we want to be. But the ultimate goal really is you know, to, to be the industry leader. And whether that means we are sold by then, whether I have sold the business by then, or whether I have someone running it, or if I'm still involved... Whatever it is, I just want this to be the industry leader. I believe in what we're doing. We are definitely changing the industry where our technology is unmatched. And at that point, it's, it's really like, you know, the five-year plan is just to keep growing and growing. And You've recently uh, gained a lot of publicity. You know, you were backed by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. And, um, and Laurie Grenier, yeah. Incredible. And uh, you've become, you know, a successful person. And right now you have like, you know, a two week back order of your products. Has that affected you at all? And, and has it changed your outlook in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's changed the business upside down. Like everything's different. We, we've seen tremendous growth. We couldn't have even imagined before Shark Tank. I mean, my, my head of business development last night literally asked me like, Dave, do you think we're growing too quick? (laughs) <laughs> which is like one of the questions that, you know, like the epitome of like entrepreneurship when, when you're growing so fast and you finally get that question from your team, it's, it's a good and bad question. It's a hard question to hear because you start to think like, you know, you have capacity issues and you want to keep growing, but at times you you might not be able to grow any faster, but who knows? I mean, like, you know, we have, we've had a tremendous spike in growth, tremendous spike in sales. We've started hiring full time. Finally. Uh, I mean, we're desperate for, for people. I realize that people are the most important part of the business. Um, and you know, we just, we want to be able to strive in what we're doing. And I think with the back order specifically, I mean, it's been tough, right? We got, we got huge amount of hits on our website once Shark Tank aired. Um, at one point we were getting 9,000 hits per second. We, we saw, you know, close to 20,000 orders since, um, I'm sorry, 10,000 orders, uh, within the first like 24 hours. So, I mean, it, it was just, it was ridiculous on how much growth we saw. Um, and that was just direct on our website. That doesn't include any of the B2B outreach, none of the wholesale accounts, and which we got tons of too. Um, and specifically, I mean, you know, we're, we're signing international exclusivity distribution deals where the clients are willing to pay for the product up front for a full year and stuff. I mean, it's just like ridiculous the kind of opportunity that we've gotten. Um, and these are huge contracts for us. So Shark Tank literally changed my life. <laughs> what do you think your business will do going forward? Um, what trajectory are you on? Like more B2B, B2C? Kind yeah. Of- yeah. So we've recently, I'd say in the last six months or so, pivoted the business idea in a, as a whole to do B2C marketing in order to gain B2B traction. So we inevitably, like, we want to grow both parts, right? We want to be doing both because we have the capacity to do it or we have the capabilities of doing it and our formulation works in both areas. Obviously, the big money play and the big growth play is the B2B. But nonetheless, the low-hanging fruit and the people that we want to be working with on an everyday basis are just regular everyday people. 
And those are going to be our B2C customers or our D2C customers. And that'll grow the brand. That'll grow the image. That'll grow the name and everything. That'll allow us to keep growing the B2B. So unfortunately, you know, some people maybe on the team, I don't know, some people might want us to go one way or the other, advisors maybe. But I really don't foresee us doing one or the other. I feel like we're going to have to do both because our mission now is to be an outward facing B2C company where we look like we're doing a bunch of, you know, B2C content creation, marketing and advertising to these everyday consumers. But in reality, all of that is just to drive our B2B sales and our B2B business. What kind of uh, B2B customers do you have right now? Like who buys Detropel? Yeah, I mean, like we're in talks with Volkswagen. We've talked to, like as an example, we've talked to other furniture companies. There's a ton of them. We'd like to work with companies like Jordan's. We've been in talks with them for a little bit. Uh, IMAX theaters, you name it. I mean, there's like literally every industry you can think of. There's someone that we're either targeting or we want to be in bed with. Star Alliance for flights, for example, is huge for us because we could cover the carpets and seats. And I mean, it's just ridiculous how much money we can save these companies because they don't have to keep cleaning their stuff. Uh, we've sprayed the carpets at Babson. Uh, we'd love to work with like UMass Amherst. We're, we're talking with them. I mean, there's just so many different industries that are on on the table that we can pursue. It's a matter of sticking to the traditional concept of being really targeted. But at the same time, it's hard to be targeted when you really, truly have a vast market. So we're just trying to kind of throw a bunch of darts and see where they stick um, because we have so many different industries and we don't know if our product is going to work better in one or the other. So right now, I hate to say because it goes against every you know, teaching and entrepreneurship, but we're not so targeted. And I think we're going to do fine doing that. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like it. Hopefully. Um, what, what is one thing you would do differently if you could have another try at it? It's a great question. Honestly, I think like I, I'd work to get better team members early on. I, I'm really happy with the team that I have today. I mean, our team's phenomenal, but it took me a while to get here, right? Like I've been running the business for almost five years. In August, it'll be five years since we incorporated. And we have four executive team members. And we've had a decent amount of turnover. But I wish that we had those people in the beginning because things would have been progressing much quicker at a different pace or in a different trajectory. We would have been here a year or two ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just wish, not that I wish, but if I could go back um, or if I could start over or if I was going, going, you know, going to continue going forward... I would really hone down on the on the fundamentals first, and this is a really good piece of advice for any entrepreneur. Really hone in on the fundamentals of the business early, early on. Like know your financials, track your financials. Don't get caught up on like you know taxes and stuff like that. Definitely be ahead of the curve on all of that stuff, and that's something that I personally failed for failed on uh, early on because like you know I was I was struggling with just I wanted to grow the business. I was that you know, executive type of person that is so focused on the growth that I might even forget about, you know, like certain things like that are more, that might be equally as important or more important even, uh, that could contain things that would evidently either like churn over the business or maybe not make it run. Who knows? I mean, there's things that you have to pay attention to and you either do that by two ways, by being extremely organized or you hire people. And at some point in time, like you're not going to be organized enough because you're going to have too much on your plate. So it happens to the best of us. It happens to everyone. But you have to really be on top of every aspect of the business early on. And I wish I was incorporating more people in the beginning to help out. But at the same time, looking back, I don't think I would change a single thing. You know, four and a half years it's taken me to keep growing this business. And there were point in times where I literally thought I was going to close it down. I wanted to step away. There's tons of things that you'll run into on a daily basis, even when you are successful, that make you kind of want to rip your hair out, essentially. 
Um, and I think the, the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones that keep persevering and, and believe in a crazy vision. They're the only crazy ones that are willing to go ahead and execute upon that vision. Because if you don't have an executive or if you don't have leaders in, in your team that have that crazy vision, then the company is not going to be growing anywhere. You know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to run their own business. Everyone wants to be successful. Right? Everyone says they want to be successful. But the effort and the time that it takes is impeccable. I mean, like this is four and a half years day in and day out. Like I'm still in the warehouse every day till one in the morning. Like you name it from the morning I wake up to the, to the time I go to bed. This is all I'm doing. Like I, I'm a student who cares about school, for example, and my grades are pretty good, but even my grades are taking a little bit of a hit because everything, you know, is nothing is more important except for maybe like, you know, obviously family and you have to take time for yourself, but this is the most important thing for me. And what every entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur needs to know or needs to realize is that if you're not willing to put everything into this, it's not going to work. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.